Have you ever identified and solved a problem only to find your solution grow into something you did not expect? This week's guest, Sarah Thomas, explains how she found a growing need to connect other educators on social media and how her solution grew to build a service and publish company called EduMatch. Hopefully, Sarah's story not only inspires you to look for problems, but to act on your creative ideas. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And Sarah, as you know, the show is centered on leadership development, and today I would love to hear about your leadership journey as a regional technology coordinator. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I've been in education for 15 years. This is my 15th year right now. And uh, during that time, I've taught everything from first to 12th grade at some point. (laughs) So I was in the classroom for a little over 10 years, and I stepped into this new role as a regional tech coordinator. So pretty much what that means is that I'm on a team with about maybe, I think, 20-ish other people. And together we support the technology integration needs of our district, which has, I want to say it's 208 schools. So we just... Yeah, so we all work together um, mm-hmm. with our clusters separately and also with the district combined. And I, I've learned so much from from my team over the years. You know, I connected with them first when I was in the classroom and I was just like, wow, you know, the impact they had on me. So it's really an honor to, you know, to be able to to be in that role now and, and doing the same thing. So so that's kind of that's kind of where I've been. So for those who are thinking about technology and moving into a coordinator position like yours, how would they go about moving into that position? So I would say that probably the best thing to do is to is to educate yourself, like always be a lifelong learner and seek to find out what is going on in education, not just the technology, but all of it, like the, the pedagogy, the best practices, and see how technology can support those outcomes that we want for our students. And I would also say leveling up your own skills as far as uh, presenting goes, you know, because we do a lot of, we do a lot of workshops. In addition, just finding the topics that that you're passionate about and again with that lifelong learning you know connecting with the PLN and really really building up a solid base and last but not least creating content to demonstrate your knowledge and sharing that out with the community i think that that goes a long way going from the classroom to now a tech coordinator which leadership skills were the most difficult to develop Oh, communication, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Communication and project management, without a doubt, because it's a different dynamic working with students and working with adults. I mean, everyone is a learner in some way, shape or form. But, you know, I know for me, it was a major hurdle because I, I would just say just the dynamics of it all. When I was when I was working with students, then, you know, I was just like, okay, you know, this is I'm their teacher, you know, I'm, I'm the adult. We're learning together, we're learning side by side. But if there's like, you know, if we have to have like a tough conversation or whatever, then that's, you know, that's what I, you know, that's, that's part of my role. But working mm-hmm. with adults, it's very different. So yeah. communicating with adults and, and working with them, I mean, it's both have brought me so much joy, but it's definitely been a difference mm-hmm. in, that, in navigating that. So through those experiences, what is maybe one trial or failure you experienced in this new role that created the most growth? Hmm. I would say that that would probably be working on a team with several people and several work styles. And um, it's been really a blessing being able to work alongside of folks that I've looked up to for so long. I'm still learning how to effectively communicate and work together and uh, and navigate 
different work styles. And I mean, I'm learning so, so, so much that's just applicable to uh, the real, you know, to the real world. I mean, we're living in the real world right now, but uh, you know, I've, I've learned so much from that experience and I'm still trying to, to grow in that mm -hmm. capacity as well. I know you're really big in building your PLN or a professional learning network. So why is it so important to get out there and get connected to other educators? Oh my goodness, it has been like, more than a game changer, it's been a life changer for me, I would say. Because when I first started out, I was in alternative certification and I learned a lot on the job the first three years specifically. They were very rocky for me. <laughs> and quite honestly, at the end of those three years, I didn't know if I was going to uh, if I was going to make it. So really the thing that changed everything around for me is uh, year four, working with a fantastic staff with a dynamic leader who saw something in me and gave me like my first leadership opportunity at that school. The second thing was going to the school the year after that and really being able to take the ball and run with it as, as a tech liaison of the school. But the third thing that leveled me up was creating, building my PLN. And from that, I got an experience that I wish I would have had like my first years when I was still trying to figure things out. You know, I, I got a network, a support system, and just like-minded people to bounce ideas off of, get answers to, uh, to some of the questions I had, you know, go through challenges together. And I mean, it was just, it was just an amazing opportunity. So um, I really recommend that people get that network together of people in your district and people outside of your district, but just learning and sharing and growing together. It's just been, it's just been everything to me. For those who are looking to build that network and need potentially that support, how can they go about that? Like what were some avenues that you used to build that network? So now many people have a social media account. They're somewhere online, mm -hmm. right? They might be on Facebook. Um, I would say most adults are on Facebook if, um, if I'm remembering my statistics correctly. So, I mean, pretty much any network where people are, there is an educational community on there in most of the major spaces like Facebook, Twitter, definitely Twitter, mm -hmm. Instagram, Voxer, Periscope, all of these different networks. So I would say instead of starting from scratch, maybe building on where people already are, you know, and asking people who they know who have already connected, where are some places I can go to connect? Who would you suggest that I connect with, you know, because it's going to be different for each person, depending on what you need from the PLN. But just being willing to put in the time and to just listen as well as share. So that's that's really been what's what's helped me out a lot. Sarah, you're not only a regional tech coordinator, but you're also the founder and CEO of EduMatch Publishing. So I got to ask, how did that come to be from going from <laughs> a, a tech coordinator to such a different position? Oh, wow. So EduMatch just kind of came out of nowhere, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> um, it was about five years ago, I was chatting with my friend Rafaz Davis, who's also in Texas. And we were talking about gamification and math. I remember this conversation. It was a Friday night. We were on Voxer going back and forth. And she brought up something about fantasy sports. And I had just like a month ago gone to Haiti and uh, saw my cousin who used to teach math in New York City. And he moved back home to Haiti. But we were having a conversation about fantasy sports in math. And so I was just like, okay, you know, you you should connect with my cousin. You should also connect with uh, Chris Avilas, who is a mutual friend of ours. And he's really big into gamification. So at that point, I was just like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This might be something. So let me go look on Twitter and look online and see if there's something that will say person A, meet person B, meet person C, go forth and create together, right? And I looked and I mean, you know, you had your Twitter chats, you had your Voxer group, but you didn't have something like kind of making a direct connection. 
So at that point, I set up a really crazy logo on Google Drawing, <laughs> set up a Twitter <laughs> account, and just tweeted out a little bit about what I was trying to do. And within a few minutes, someone from Australia responded. I asked him about himself. He told me, and I just started tweeting out about him with different hashtags. And at the end of the day, I asked him, how did everything go? And he's just like, oh, this is great. You know, I met a bunch of people. You should keep this going. So I said, okay. So at that point, I set up a Google form and a website, and people were signing up. So by the end of the weekend, we had like 10, I want to say. I had about 10 people on the form. And as people kept joining, they kept on bringing their ideas. And from there, you know, we just kept growing. And so now we're five plus years in. And, uh, you know, I would have never, never imagined that uh, <laughs> that we would have made it five years, you know, plus all the different, um, all the different areas where we've pivoted and we've kind of looked into um, various, various opportunities within uh, our community. So. so for the listeners who do not know what EduMatch is, I know you have quite a few different projects that you're about in, in addition to publishing books. So can you just share what EduMatch is all about? Absolutely. Um, so I should start off. It's not a dating site. Uh, that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that that was like our original tagline, especially with the Google Draw logo. There was like a a, a heart with a thunderbolt going through it, and people were like, "Is this like?" <laughs> and I was just like, "No, no, it's not." Um, but pretty much, it's a network of educators and students and all stakeholders. Really, it's it's kind of evolved right now. So we have like educators, parents students, just just anybody who wants to join the conversation on education and people who are organically learning and growing together. We really believe that everybody has something to share. And so we try to create like a space for that in whatever way we can. You know, uh, you just mentioned the book. So that's one of our newer things that just kind of spun off into a life of its own, probably like last year it started kicking up. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Voxer, we're everywhere, all mm-hmm. of those spaces. And we also have, let me see, a nonprofit and uh, we're starting a couple of really cool things coming up in the 2020 decade. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about That's that. awesome. So you talked about in previous answer about content creation. So why do you believe content creation is so important for educators? Oh my goodness. So I love when educators create their own content because we're the closest people to see exactly what the needs of our students are. I mean, besides the students themselves, so definitely encourage the student creation as well and co-creating with students. But I feel like, you know, we we all have something that, that we can share and it doesn't necessarily have to be something like visual, something pretty, you know, I'm, I'm like the worst at that, but a lot of people have that talent. I'm not one of them, but I feel like when we create something and we learn and we grow together and we share, then that really helps us to to better the profession and move it forward. You know, I feel like a lot of times content is created from people who are not in our field. I, I think that that when you're actually in, in the midst of it, not to dismiss anybody's work, but when you're actually in the midst of it, then you really have like that front row seat as to what the needs of students are. So educators creating for their classes and scaling it out. So in that creation in the classroom, as a leader with a vast amount of experience, what are some areas that you would like to see changed in education? Uh, So some things I would love to see changed in education. I would say a huge focus of mine is on equity. Mm -hmm. um, And that encompasses so many things. A lot of times when we talk about equity, then we're talking about equity in devices or equity in bandwidth. But I mean, it's so much bigger than that. There's equity in the ways that students are represented in the classroom, you know, the culturally responsive, culturally sustaining pedagogy. There's equity 
in terms of the education that students are getting. So having teachers who are allowing them to create and to use higher order skills as opposed to the drilling skills. So, I mean, there's so many topics under the subheading of equity that I feel like, you know, that would be a show all in itself, but <laughs> I definitely want uh, education to be more equitable for, mm-hmm. uh, for students. Yeah. So there's a lot of people with very strong opinions about technology. What do you believe should be the relationship between technology and our schools? There's a teammate of mine who was phenomenal. She found a matrix called PicRat, which is very similar to the SAMR model, very similar to TPAC, but it looks at the educator's use of technology on, I believe, the x-axis, students' use of technology on uh, the y-axis. So uh, the P stands for passive, I stands for interactive, C stands for creating. That's that's the student role, right? Mm-hmm. So they could be using it passively, interactively, or creating. And the RAT, how the educator uses it, R stands for replacing, A stands for amplifying, T stands for transforming. So if you kind of look at a matrix, like a three by three matrix, then you'll see the different combinations of these things. I think that not every lesson has to be a CT, which would be like the highest level, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity that educators have to to be able to deliver that kind of lesson is the goal for for everyone. I feel that it's, it's, it's very important to be able to know how to use it in a purposeful way. Um, and so that technology is, is not just being used as an add-on or a babysitter, but really used to amplify good pedagogy. Sure. What is maybe the largest hurdle that you have to overcome as you are trying to implement technology in the classroom? Oh, I would say it probably comes down to uh, the sheer number of things that people already have on their plate and just one more thing. Like that's that's the mindset that a lot of people look through when they're thinking of integrating technology. Mm-hmm. This one more thing is bad. It won't last. They don't know how it connects and things of that nature. I mean, it can do it can do so much, but I totally get the feeling of overwhelmed. But that's that's definitely been a struggle. Pretty much everywhere I go, then I've encountered people who are resistant for that reason. But there's also been so many people who are willing to embrace it and just just use it to to help our students uh, achieve in ways that we that you know we wouldn't have been able to do five, ten, twenty years ago. So. For the teacher that has a lot on their plate, like you said, and Mm -hmm. maybe is reluctant with technology, what are some ways that they can dive into certain aspects of technology to help their students? Yeah, absolutely. So technology, it doesn't have to be like a huge time suck. I feel like that's a misconception that people tend to have Mm -hmm. when introduced to something new. As a matter of fact, it can help to save time. For example, if people get connected, then they can go to their PLN, see if anyone has a resource on whatever it is that they want. Whereas if they're not connected, they might not know how to find that thing and have to create it themselves from scratch. Another thing is I learned about flipping the classroom about maybe six or seven years ago, Mm -hmm. and I started doing that. And I found that that also saved me time because instead of lecturing to a class for an hour, then um, I'd be able to, you know, preload the content, give them access to it before class time, And, you know, when they came in, the class time was transformed and I was able to work with them one on one or even if they hadn't watched a video beforehand, they could watch it in class. And that really helped to uh, to personalize uh, the instruction. And and speaking of personalized, one more thing is that a lot of times when people hear that word personalized and they think that they have to make 
several different, like a, a different lesson for each student, which is not the case. You know, that's not necessarily the case. You could uh, give your students options on how do they want to demonstrate their mastery and have conversations with them about that. That way they're kind of creating their way that they're showing mastery. So it doesn't have to be like a huge just time suck on, on the educator. And you talked about creating with your students. So could that also be learning technology with your students too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they know so much. I, I had a group of seventh and eighth graders a few years back who uh, offered to teach me how to jailbreak my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried it, but it didn't go so well. So I had to restore it. But they were definitely the experts. But the point is that they know so much, you know, student tech teams, seeing that a lot in schools. And when we tried it out, when I was in the classroom, then we had one such teacher as the one that I described who thought that it was such a great idea and a win-win-win for everyone because she was able to get the help that she needed. The students were able to learn by teaching. And also, I was not the only person in the school fixing things and helping people learn how to use things. So it was just a, a win across the board. I always love providing leaders with examples of practical strategies and initiatives. What is one initiative you've implemented on your campus or in your district that you're extremely proud of? Ooh, <laughs> I would say probably our podcast. Um, we started doing a district podcast last school year. So, I mean, oh my goodness, my teammates are just so phenomenal. We have one that, I mean, she she could like have a, a career in just doing talk shows. Like she's just <laughs> so great at uh, <laughs> at interviewing and asking the right questions. And she has like that radio voice is just, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. But I'm really excited about that because that's something that our office is creating for educators in our district and beyond because it's available, you know, through Anchor. So folks can just sign up and subscribe. So I'm really, really proud of, of that initiative and really looking forward to, uh, uh, to watch it continue to grow. So what other ways do you communicate with your district employees in regards to technology? If Obviously, a podcast is one way of communicating, but if there's any other tech coaches out there that are listening, what are some other avenues that you use to communicate to your staff? Absolutely. So our office, you know, we have different different teams in our office. So I'm part of the podcast team. But there's also uh, a team that, that works on our website. In addition, they do a newsletter. There's also something called Teacher Tech Bites that's cr- that was created by one of my uh, one of my coworkers and just like a little quick snippet of something that educators can use in their classroom, kind of modeled after the EDU and 90 that Google puts out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so many different ways. Also, when we go out to the schools or when we have conferences and things of that nature, then the information kind of gets out there large scale. Uh, We do a lot of Google Classroom as well. So people sometimes share things within the classroom and the email blast, the typical email blast. So there's, yes, there's a variety of ways to get stuff out. For those starting their leadership journey, what advice do you have for them? I would say that, you know, I don't I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but definitely getting connected and, and finding their crew would be one thing that I would definitely encourage because we we all need that. You know, nobody has it totally figured out. However, it's kind of like Captain Planet and you know, with our powers combined, then <laughs> you know, if if there's a question, then somebody likely has the answer. So um so I would say that, that would be the the first thing that I would suggest. In regards to your EduMatch and the publishing company, is there a book out there that would help our aspiring leaders? Yeah, there's there's a few books out there that are specifically targeted for uh, for school leaders and for district leaders. So um, I would say Divergent EDU by Mandy Freilich is one. There's also Level Up Leadership by Brian Kulak. Let's see here. Edu Influence by Brent Coley. 
Um, and there's Make Waves by Hal Roberts that are all targeted towards leadership. We have several more coming down the pike. Oh, also All In by uh, Dr. J.C. Maslick and Kristen Nan. That's coming out this week. So nice. that's that's kind of about a partnership between a district leader and a classroom teacher. So that that was that was really cool to see them watch that. And I would say for anybody out there who is in a tech position like I am, 21 Lessons for Tech Integration Coaching by Martine Brown is a phenomenal read. And I, oh my goodness, I want to shout out like all of the books, but I know I can't, <laughs> not I all of them. Yeah, yeah, not all of them fit that full district leader mold, but those yeah. are those are some that come to mind right now. For sure. I put you in a tough position. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> so Sarah, in closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? I love seeing people use that, that leadership spark within themselves because everyone has everyone has something to share and everyone um, by by virtue of sharing that then you're leading the way for someone else. So I love to see when people discover that spark, when they become passionate about that spark, and when they carry it out. So those I would say that that is probably my favorite thing: uh, watching people find their own light and sharing it with others. So how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Definitely. I am at Sarah the Teacher on Twitter, and I'll spell that out because it's spelled crazy. <laughs> so it's uh, S-A-R-A-H-D-A-T-E-E-C-H-U-R. So I'm there on Twitter. I'm there on Voxer, Instagram, Periscope, and I'm in a whole bunch of other places, but it's <laughs> all different kinds of names there. So, But that's a good place to start. And if they want to connect with Edumatch, how can they get connected and build their PLN through that space? Yeah, so that's at www.edumatch.org. And I would highly recommend that people click on the databases tab and there they'll find an awesome table of edumatchers, which is an awesome table. So, you know, people have filled out a Google form and it's just displaying the data and you can just kind of like toggle through it and see exactly uh, who you're looking for. So you can sort by like interest, by geographical area. And these are all people who have opted in. So they're looking for people to reach out. And there's actually probably, there's there's a lot more I need to add to the list. I've just been kind of slacking on updating it. But I would say, give or take, we have about uh, 1,300, 1,400 people on there. Oh, wow. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for being on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Joshua. It's really, really been an honor. Make sure you tune in to the Aspire podcast next week as we talk to Alicia Ray, the author of Educational Eye Exam. Also, if you're in the Texas area, make sure you sign up for Todd Nisolini's Celebrate Your Story January 24th and 25th in Brigham, Texas. I will be speaking there on aspiring leadership, so make sure you sign up as soon as possible before tickets are all sold out. 